There was a very nice elderly woman that was leaving the church one Sunday morning after the worship service. And as she left, she went out the back door and she greeted the pastor who was always standing at the back door to shake hands and greet the members as they left. And as he greeted her and they shook hands, she said, that was a wonderful sermon this morning. The pastor, being humble, said, no, ma'am. He said, that was not me. That was the Holy Spirit. And without missing a beat, the lady said, no, if it was the Holy Spirit, it would have been much shorter. (laughs) Now, somebody sent me that this week on email, um, saying that it related to last week's sermon. Now, I didn't know if they were talking about Paul and his allowing the Holy Spirit to speak through him or the length of my sermon. But either way, it does relate, because last week we talked about how God uses you and I to communicate the gospel by allowing the Holy Spirit to speak through us. Remember, we talked about being humble. We talked about being human, being real, being genuine. People in the world are looking for genuine believers who are honest and real to be able to communicate the gospel. Somebody that's humble, that is broken, that is willing and available to be used by God. Those are the types of people that God speaks through. Now, the week before, we looked at the people that God uses, and Paul brought out a couple of things that that the type of people that God uses are not the type of people that the world uses. They are the least of these. They are the foolish people. They are the weak. They are the unknown. They are the least. And all of that has been a part of Paul's teaching here in 1 Corinthians about the wisdom of God. Now remember, in the context, Paul started us out in chapter 1 talking about the divisions in the church. And he's going to get back to that in just a minute uh, as we move through the passage and we move into chapter 3. But he's had this little breakaway where he started talking about the wisdom of God. And it still relates to the division in the church because if we would understand and allow the wisdom of God, and when I say wisdom of God, that means how God works, how God operates. If we could ever understand and grasp how God operates, how God thinks, then it would rip apart the divisions that we have in so many churches. And he's explaining all of that, talking about the wisdom of God, comparing it to the wisdom of the world, the way the world thinks, the way the world operates. And here in our passage this morning, he is going to follow that same thought process, talking about the wisdom of God, and he is going to introduce the Holy Spirit, because it is the Holy Spirit that allows you and I to understand the wisdom of God. It is the Holy Spirit that allows you and I to be able to interpret the Word of God to understand how we are to apply that to our lives. Now before we look at the passage, since we're talking about the Holy Spirit, and and Paul is going to continue to talk about the Holy Spirit throughout the book of Corinthians, I wanted to just lay a few things down as groundwork about the Holy Spirit. Because one of the things that I found is that in most Christians' life, their understanding of the Holy Spirit is the most misunderstood aspect of the Trinity. It's the most misunderstood aspect of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And sadly, many churches, because it can be so confusing, because explaining and understanding the Holy Spirit doesn't fit in a nice little concise box, they don't talk about it a lot. We don't preach about the Holy Spirit a lot. We don't even sing about the Holy Spirit a lot. If you go to the hymnal and you begin to look and and you look at the hymns that are related to Jesus Christ, you look at the hymns that are related to God, and you look at the hymns that are related to the Holy Spirit, you'll be shocked. 
there's only about seven or eight hymns that even deal with the Holy Spirit, and it doesn't really deal with who the Holy Spirit is or what He does. It deals with the Holy Spirit being released in us. And so I wanted to share just a couple of things about the Holy Spirit before we dive in as an explanation, because uh, the irony of understanding the Holy Spirit is you can't comprehend or understand the Holy Spirit if you don't have the Holy Spirit's help to contemplate it, to be able to understand it. It takes the Holy Spirit to be able to really understand it. And so for you to get what we're going to share this morning, what we're going to teach, if, if you were just reading it, maybe you read ahead in the order of service or in your Bible, you thought, that doesn't make any sense. Because it takes the illumination of the Holy Spirit to be able to understand what He's saying and apply it to our lives. Now, as I said, a couple of things about the Holy Spirit. And I read earlier where Jesus is explaining that the Holy Spirit was going to be sent to all believers after Jesus died. That He was sending someone. The parakleo, uh, that means an advocate. Someone who is going to advocate on your behalf. Someone who is going to walk beside. The word that He used in the Greek there for counselor is someone that is exactly like Him. He is sending a twin, somebody just like Him, that is going to walk beside the Christian and He is going to advocate for the Christian. He is going to teach the Christian. He told us in, in, in uh, John that I read earlier that He is going to help illuminate, help bring out God. God's wisdom to our lives. And so when you became a Christian, when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you received the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is living inside of you. You didn't just get a little bit of the Holy Spirit. You just didn't get a a sample size of the Holy Spirit or a taste of the Holy Spirit. You got all of the Holy Spirit that God is able to give the moment that you accepted Christ. See, the disciples didn't understand that, but it was at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came upon them as they were praying in the upper room. You remember after Jesus went back to heaven, they went to the upper room and they're praying for this Holy Spirit to come. And the Holy Spirit fell on them. And they were filled. And as they were filled, from that moment on, every person that has ever accepted Jesus Christ has received the Holy Spirit. There's nothing held back. You got all that there is to get. Nothing that that you have to receive later. And the Bible says that once we receive Him, He lives inside of us. And the Holy Spirit is a person. He is is not some entity. He's not some out there phenomenon. He is the person of Jesus Christ living and dwelling inside of us. And we learn about the Holy Spirit through the book of Acts and in Paul's letters and some of Peter's letters. It's not really explained in the gospel apart from what Jesus taught. And so when you say, what did Jesus say about the Holy Spirit? I just read it to you. But Paul unlocks and unpacks how the Holy Spirit operates and how the Holy Spirit works in our life, including in the passage we have today. He is introducing it to Corinthians that he is later going to expound upon how the Holy Spirit operates and why it's so important. Now, I wanted to, on a side note, and it's not really a side note because it's relevant to this, since we're talking about the Holy Spirit, and there's so much confusion, I I wanted to just clarify a few things. Because there is a school of thought out there. There are people that teach that there is a subsequent baptism of the Holy Spirit that happens after conversion. 
Many people believe that there is a time in your life after conversion, after you've received the Holy Spirit, that you receive more of the Holy Spirit. And they believe that when you receive more of the Holy Spirit, it's usually accompanied by a spiritual sign. Many of them believe that it's accompanied by speaking in tongues. And those people that move in that and teach in that, that will tell you that they are always looking for this idea of being renewed or refilled with the Holy Spirit. Now this comes, and and I don't believe that to be true, but it comes from a misunderstanding and a misinterpretation from the book of Acts. You see, when the Holy Spirit fell in the upper room, the Holy Spirit only came to those people in the upper room who were praying. But those people were not the only Christians. There were thousands of people who had accepted Jesus as Christ, who had accepted His message, who had accepted the message of the cross, that saw Him after His resurrection, that were Christians as far as the definition goes, in that they were Christ followers and they had been redeemed, but they did not have the Holy Spirit. And they were not in the upper room when the Holy Spirit fell. And so what you have in the book of Acts is as the disciples are teaching and as they are moving out into these different communities, they encounter these Christians that have not been filled with the Holy Spirit. They ask them, have you been baptized with water or baptized with the Spirit? They say, well, we've been baptized with water in John's baptism. And the disciples would pray for those Christians. They might lay hands on those Christians. And those Christians were filled with the Holy Spirit. But that is a very specific incident because there is no one alive today that becomes a Christian without receiving the Holy Spirit. All of the Holy Spirit, all that He has to offer. And I do believe that tongues is a spiritual gift. But I believe the Bible is very clear that not every Christian gets every gift. And there is not one gift that all Christians get. And I don't believe that there is a sign gift that shows that you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, there are signs that the Bible teaches that you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. Paul teaches about those in Galatians 5. He calls them the fruits of the Spirit. He says everyone that has the Spirit living inside of them exhibits these fruits. And so there's a lot of misunderstanding and miscommunication about what it means to to be filled with the Spirit or to have the Holy Spirit. And and if you hold a different view, I'm not arguing with you, but don't base your theology on your experience apart from Scripture. And Scripture is very clear. Paul's very clear. Jesus is very clear that when you got the Holy Spirit, you got all of it. Listen to Paul talking to the church at Ephesus. He's explaining what happens. In accordance to the riches of God's grace, He lavished on us all wisdom, all understanding, and He made known the mystery of His will according to His pleasure, which He purposed in Christ through the Spirit. You got all of it. And when the Bible talks about being filled with the Spirit, He is not talking about... You getting more of the Spirit, he is talking about the Spirit getting more of you. What it means to be filled with the Spirit is it means that there are parts and places in your life that you have not submitted to the Spirit's leadership, that you have not given to Him. 
that He does not control. And as He reveals those things in your life, you release them, you, you submit those things to Him, and He takes more area. He begins to fill more of you. But that doesn't mean you get more of Him. He was already there to start with. You just weren't recognizing and allowing Him to control your life. And that can bring a sense of renewal. People say, well, I was filled with the Spirit, and, and, and I know I got all the Holy Spirit, but there was another time at a revival, and there was another time at a youth camp, or there was another time in a worship service where I was just overwhelmed with the Spirit's presence that I hadn't felt before, or I hadn't recognized. And so that must mean that I got more of the Spirit. No, what happened in that place is usually it's because you repented of some sin that you were holding back from God, and in that act of repentance, you experienced more of the Holy Spirit that was already a part of your life. Now, I didn't mean that to be a definitive teaching on the Holy Spirit, and it certainly isn't. We'll talk more about the Holy Spirit, but I wanted it to be understood as we lay the groundwork for where Paul is going. Because I believe in today's passage, he is going to identify probably the most important role that the Holy Spirit plays in the life of a Christian. So if you have a Bible, I want you to turn where we've been walking through, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 6, and I'm going to read all the way to 16. Um, the key is passages before. I think we just have up to verse 13. And next week we're going to look at uh, 13 through 16. But it's still relevant for our passage and our study today. So it's in your order of worship and you can follow along in your own Bible. Paul's talking about speaking. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature. Now, he says this message of wisdom among the mature. There is a misunderstanding and a misinterpretation of what that word mature means. Some people have taken that to understand that what Paul is saying here is that he has a special message of God's wisdom that is only for those who are mature. And that's not a good translation of the word mature from the Greek. The word in the Greek simply means those who are full, those who are complete. He's talking about all Christians. There is not some secret spiritual message out there that only goes to super Christians, goes to those who know more or experience more. He's not saying that here, and that can't be read. I've heard pastors preach from the pulpit saying that I'm going to share with you that something that most people can't understand or most people can't get because this is a, a special truth. That is not what the Bible teaches. Paul's saying that there is a wisdom that it comes that only is experienced by believers. He says, it's not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. What is that wisdom? It is God's revelation of Himself. How God operates, how God works, how God's plan for our life open up, God's will for our life. None of the rulers of this age have understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, he quotes from Isaiah 64, another verse gets misinterpreted a whole lot. For no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. And this is the key verse. But God has revealed it, that wisdom, that truth, that will, to us through his Holy Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except a man's spirit within him? 
And in the same way, no one who knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. For we have not received the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. For this is why we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truth in spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually discerned, they are spiritually understood. For the spiritual man makes judgment about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. Quotes Isaiah. For he who is in the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him. Paul closes out by saying, but we, those who are Christ followers, have the mind of Christ. Now, I'm going to break sermon protocol, uh, what you're normally supposed to do in a sermon, and in the beginning of my sermon, in the middle of my sermon, wherever I am right now, uh, I'm going to go ahead and share with you the key principle that this passage is trying to teach. Going to unlock or explain the key principle principle that God wants us to take home from this passage because I believe once you understand the key principle behind it it will help you understand all that he's saying it will unlock or unpack all of the things that he's trying to say here it'll make sense what Paul is saying in this passage is that every believer who is filled with the Holy Spirit has the ability to understand has the ability to comprehend and has the ability to know the wisdom of God You, if you are a Christian today, have the ability to understand, to comprehend, and know God's wisdom, God's way, and God's will. You can know God's heart, you can know God's purpose, and you can know God's will that's been revealed in God's Word. In other words, what he is saying is, every one of us today can read God's Word on our own, and God will speak to you. Now, a year ago, when we were talking about the history of the church, we talked about the Protestant Reformation. This was one of the main aspects that separated the Protestant church from the Catholic church. The idea that any Christian can take this book and begin to read it, and it will speak to them, and they don't need a go-between, they don't need a translator, you don't need somebody to explain it to you. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. What he's saying in this passage is, it is the Holy Spirit that illuminates. The Holy Spirit inside of you shines the light on this Word, and allows us to take it and its meaning and apply it to our lives. You don't need a go-between. You don't need a translator. You don't need somebody to explain it to you. Now, it helps if you are under the teaching or the leadership of a pastor or teacher that is a Bible-believing pastor or teacher to help you understand maybe the deeper truths or to explain some of the deeper truths or maybe to help you uh, dig into some of the things that may seem confusing. That's why God calls pastors and teachers. But pastors and teachers, I work with the Holy Spirit to illuminate the things that are in this book. But anything that I teach you, please hear this. Anything that I explain, anything that I teach, anything that I show you from God's Word is nothing that you can't find on your own if you took the time to study and research and dive in. Because you have a greater teacher than me inside of you. You have the Holy Spirit that wants to take what God has been revealed in His Word and let you apply it to your lives. 
The Holy Spirit illuminates. There is nothing hidden in here. There are no secrets. There is no special knowledge that has to be found. There is nothing in this that is only available to select super Christians. You are part of the select group of Christians, those who have the Holy Spirit. And I've heard pastors stand in the pulpit and say, well, listen, I, I would teach this, but I just don't think you would get it. Or I, I want to show this to you, but it's just too deep for you to understand. Listen, that's hogwash. It's garbage. All that means is the pastor is trying to elevate themselves to a spiritual hierarchy to help you depend on them to be fed for the Word of God you got pastors, and I know it's a cliche catchphrase. They say things like, God told me, and I fall into that trap. But the danger of doing that, when we say God told me, is that has an implication there that somehow God told me something that He can't tell you. And so what happens to people in the pew is they come to church, and every week the pastor stands up and said, God told me to tell you this. You begin to think, well, the only way I can really hear from God is through that pastor or through that teacher or through that preacher. Have you ever wondered how people get sucked into cults or into false teachings? Because they depend on someone else to illuminate the Word of God. You don't need to depend on somebody else. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Now, I want you, in light of what I've shared with you, rant over, In light of what I've shared with you, I want you to understand what he's trying to get at here. Listen again to verse 6 through 10. For we do not, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom. What is that secret wisdom? It's not a secret to you. It wasn't available. It wasn't available to be revealed until the Holy Spirit came. A wisdom that has been hidden and God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it. What is he saying? He's saying you can't understand God's wisdom of your own strength and your own knowledge and your own understanding. If you could, they would have never killed Christ. They'd have never crucified him. He said if they had understood it, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. However it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. What is he trying to help us understand? That God's way and God's will and God's word cannot be understood through human understanding. You can't do it. Human reason and human wisdom will never reveal the truth of the Word of God. That's why people that are not Christians, people who are not believers, can read this book and it means nothing to them. Good stories good illustrations, but not the power of the Word of God that has the ability to transform our lives. He's saying reason can't do it. And then he quotes this passage that gets misquoted from Isaiah describing how people try to discover God. Because people try, listen, just because you can't discover God apart from the Holy Spirit, people still try. That's why we have so many cults and false religions. People all over the world today are trying to discover God. Most of it's based on human effort and human endeavor because in reality, apart from God, for humans, we're the most important people in the world. And so most human-based religions are based on our efforts, on what we do, on what we can give, on what we can see. And so people all over the world today are trying to discover God. If you go to India, people have hundreds and hundreds of gods. They pray to all different types of gods. 
Why? It's in their effort to try to discover who created this world. What is their purpose? But apart from the Holy Spirit, you can't discover that. And he tries to explain how people find it. He says, you have, nobody has ears to hear. Nobody has eyes to see. Now, a lot of people think this is talking about heaven, saying, listen, no one can really contemplate what God has for each one of us. That's not what he's saying. In the context here, he's saying that your senses alone will never direct you to God. They'll never reveal God's truth and God's will. If you go by what you can see and what you can hear, it will never reveal or present to you the truth of the Word of God. He's saying no eyes have seen, no ears have heard. Why do you think Jesus repeatedly, when He was teaching, said, Let those who have ears to hear, hear. Let those who have eyes to see, see. Well, everybody that was there had eyes, and everybody that was there had ears. What's he saying? Let those who have the Holy Spirit moving, who understand, have eyes to hear what I'm saying and ears to hear what I'm saying, so that you can recognize, not with human understanding, because human understanding alone will never reveal the truth and the wisdom of the Word of God. Then he says that no mind can conceive. He's talking about our rational thought. Talking about the rational idea. Do you understand that you can read this book from cover to cover, that you can memorize this book, you can quote this book, you can teach this book, but without the power of the Holy Spirit to illuminate this book, it's just words. You understand that's how the scribes in Jesus' day had studied and studied and studied for the Messiah. And when the Messiah showed up, they didn't recognize it. Because that word hadn't become real to them. That word hadn't been illuminated. What Paul is trying to help us understand is that there is no way for us to understand God's will and God's wisdom and God's word apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. It's what he said in verse 10. For the Holy Spirit reveals it. He says, I love the illustration that he uses in verse 11. He says, who knows men better than their spirits? Who knows your heart better than your spirit? Well, who knows God's heart better than God's spirit? Who knows what God's thinking? Who knows what God's wanting to do? Who knows what God has planned? God's spirit. And so when God decided to bless us after Christ left the earth, who did He send? His spirit. The one who knows His heart the best. The one who knows His will the best. The one who knows His way the best. And you have that ability with inside you right now. God's wisdom, God's Word, God's will, God's thoughts. It's all been revealed to us in God's Word, and that comes alive through the Holy Spirit. All of it's right here. It's the Holy Spirit that allows us to comprehend it and apply it. Now, it brings up a good question that people ask when you start talking about that. If the Holy Spirit is the one who reveals the truth of God's Word and God's wisdom and God's ways, how can someone who is not a Christian, who does not have the Holy Spirit, come to know Christ? Well, that's a great question. And I'm going to answer it next week. We're going to look at verse 13 16, and he explains it. But what I want you to take away from today, the most important thing I want you to get out of this morning is the role the Holy Spirit plays in helping you to know God, to follow God, and to understand God. 
The title of this whole series has been The Struggle is Real. And one of the greatest struggles I see in Christians' lives is when they try to control the Holy Spirit inside of them instead of letting the Holy Spirit control them. See, the reason that so many Christians day in and day out struggle with applying this book, with understanding this book, with if God says you have the power to understand, you have the power to apply it, you have the power to let it be lived out in you, why do we not do it? Because we don't give the Holy Spirit the opportunity to show us how or to teach us or to reveal to it. Because listen, the Holy Spirit's not a bully. It's not going to come in and force His way in. It's not going to force you to make a decision. He's not going to push His way on you. The way that it works is you have to submit to Him and listen to Him for Him to be able to illuminate this truth for your life. To help you become more like Christ, to let this Word come alive, you've got to submit yourself to Him so that He can show you. And so many Christians are not willing to do that and they wonder why God's Word seems like pages on a book. See, the more you shut him out, the more you ignore his warnings, the more his convictions you ignore, the less you'll recognize his voice. Because he's not going to force his way on you. The more he speaks to you, Sundays, Mondays, Tuesdays, you're doing your quiet time and this book starts to come alive and you think, God's talking to me. God wants me to do this in my relationship. God wants me to love on this person. God wants me to forgive this person. God, this this scripture is like it's talking to me this morning. And if we don't do anything with it, if we ignore what God is saying through his word, then all of a sudden the next time we won't hear it as clearly. And the next time we won't hear it as clearly. It's not because the Holy Spirit stopped talking. It's because we stopped recognizing his voice because we ignored what he was saying all along. And for many of you, the Word of God is like Charlie Brown's teacher. Wah, 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 wah. And you read it and you hear it and it means nothing to you because for so long you have ignored the Holy Spirit trying to help you understand it. And the reason is you're not applying it. Sin also mutes the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not going to share space in your heart with sin. And the more you have unrepented sin, the more you have unconfessed sin, sin that that you continue to invite in your life, sin that you continue to let take control over your life, the less you'll be able to hear the Holy Spirit. And, And even more importantly, please hear, the less you'll be able to experience the power of the Holy Spirit in everything that you do. Sin shields the Holy Spirit's ability to illuminate. Sin corrupts the Holy Spirit's ability to teach you truth. See, what Paul wants you to hear this morning is that you as a Christian, through the power of the Holy Spirit, have the mind of Christ. What Paul is wanting us to understand is that the Bible can come alive if you listen to the Holy Spirit. You can understand it. You can live it out. You can apply it to every area of your life. But the problem is there's a difference in doing and knowing. And the reason so many Christians struggle is they have the greatest gift that we've been given in salvation, the Holy Spirit, and we leave Him on the shelf. Now let me give you another warning before I wrap it up. You need to understand, because there's some confusion, that for the Christian, the Holy Spirit brings illumination not revelation. 
We'll talk about Revelation next week. That means revealing God. The Holy Spirit in the Christian's life illuminates that which has already been given, that which has already been revealed in Spirit. The Holy Spirit will never contradict Scripture. The Holy Spirit will never ask you to do anything or say anything or believe anything that contradicts Scripture or that moves outside of Scripture. He may reveal something to you that you didn't see. He may allow you to experience something that you've never experienced before, but it will always be confirmed in Scripture or by Scripture. There's a move today of people that are, instead of allowing Scripture to illuminate, they, they want to say that God is, is revealing new truth to them. God is speaking something new to them. Now, does God speak? Yes, He still speaks. He speaks loud and clear, but He speaks through His Word. And this idea of pastors standing up and saying, I've got a new revelation from God, or God showed me something new, or, or this idea that, that what was once sin is no longer sin because God has shared it to me, or God has revealed it to me, or that you can now do this, or this new lifestyle, this new action that everyone says is, is unacceptable is now acceptable. You and I need to understand there is no new revelation, but God illuminates And we have all we ever need to know about God and God's wisdom already found in God's Word. That's why the end of Revelation is so very clear and so very blunt when it says, do not add or take away from this book. What Paul wants us to understand is we can't expect a person who doesn't have Christ to understand God's Word and live it. But for you and I, we have no excuse. Because you have the greatest advocate. You have the greatest helper. You have the greatest illumination. And so many Christians struggle in their walk because they do not recognize the power of the Holy Spirit that they already have in their life. I love it, Paul in Philippians and in Galatians and Ephesians, when he talks about the Holy Spirit, he uses the Greek word dunamis. It's the same root word for where we get dynamite. What he says is, You have the power of God, the very explosive power of God right now in your life. What are you doing with it? Maybe it's time we stopped ignoring the things that we already possess, started walking in it. You know, 12 years ago, I moved to Blowing Rock. When I moved to Blowing Rock, people gave me some warnings. Not about you, about Blowing Rock. Well, they did give me some warnings about you, but they gave me warnings about Blowing Rock. They warned me about the snow. Said, you need to be careful when you move to Blowing Rock because it snows. Now, I'm from Texas, so I I was all for snow. I'd never seen a whole lot of snow except going to Colorado or New Mexico. So, man, I'm ready for the snow. And in the first couple of years I was here, it was wonderful. Now, the fourth year I was here, we had that horrible ice storm in December, and we didn't go to school in January. And, And to be honest with you, if that fourth... Winter would have been my first winter. It would have been my last winter. But people said, you got to watch out for the, the snow. People said, you got to watch out for the wind. You move to Blowing Rock, it is windier than you can ever imagine. I thought, well, listen, it's in the name. Blowing Rock. Got to have wind, right? But nobody said anything about the fog. <laughs> nobody warned me about the stinking fog in Blowing Rock. 
And I say Blowing Rock, not Watauga County, because it's like it ends right at the parkway. I never realized that fog could be so pervasive and so thick and so dense. Matter of fact, a couple of weeks ago, one evening I was coming back from Boone, driving to my house that I've driven hundreds of times before, thick fog, going about 10 miles an hour, trying to see outside my window, and I missed the turn to my road. Really, missed the turn to my road. I, ended up, I live off Aho Road, and I was driving slow, and I was looking, and I was driving, and I was looking. Next thing I know, I'm at the light at the hospital out here. My fear is that so many Christians in the church today are living their lives like living in fog. They stumble around, they wander around, they hope, they guess, they wish. They look for advice in all the wrong places. They stumble in and out of relationships and circumstances and situations. And Paul says very clearly here that you and I have been given a light to illuminate us in the fog of life. We've been given the guidance. We've been given the direction. We've been given the hope. We've been given the wisdom. Right now, living inside of you, maybe it's time for some of you to come out of the fog. Let's pray.